first chance for Conor McGrath. Bernie, surely give it in, Conor. What a goal! Mackie heading it towards the 21 meter line. Team Mackie still going. Goal is Africa! Oh, oh, I can't think of a better position or a better place to be in right now, anywhere in the world. It's time to take Sam to throne! If you look back in sporting history, you'll see that the whingers and the whiners are forgotten. The characters remembered briefly. But will stick in your mind at the champions who showed cast. I want nothing to do with that, to be quite honest. You know, I think it's a disgrace. Did a small change before the game, worth the street. Welcome to the Off the Ball GAA podcast with thanks to News Talks GAA partners Borgosh Energy. Proud sponsors of the GAA Hurling All Ireland Senior Championship. Keep up to date and follow hashtag Hurling to the core for more. We're with you every week across the summer. I'm Oshin Langan. You can get me on at Oshin Langan. He is. Uh, I'm Shane Stapleton. You can get me at, at Shane Saint. Coming up today, we'll preview the games from all four provincial championships in both codes. Leash manager Eamon Kelly will be with us, while Daily Star GAA reporter Carlo Kane will talk to us about the Derry Tyrone game. And given Tyrone's dominance in recent years, we'll ask is it still really. A rivalry, because a rivalry would suggest that either of the teams could win, but all known logic suggests that Tyrone will beat Derry and beat them well this weekend. Right, stories of the week, we'll start with Shane. Sure, you can't get away from Tipperary losing to Cork. Well, so you badly. certainly can't. I can't, yeah, that one, yeah. But the thing was, you, you have to look at what Tipperary are missing from last year, and, and like obviously we'll get to the performance and how good Cork were, because they were excellent, and you could see even in terms of movement, and I definitely want to talk quickly about puckouts as well, but they wore down that Tipperary team. But so often when you talk to people who've won in All-Ireland and they fail to retain it the next year, they talk about those missing percentages here and there that only became evident, you know, once you've actually lost. So I think with Tipperary, you've got uh, cornerback Cahill Barrett. He had ankle surgery. Michael Cahill's had trouble with his hips and also didn't play. You've got Park Maher, who... Ken Hogan um, was talking on Tip FM during the week and he was talking about him working night shifts with the guards in Limerick and then straight into training after that. So, I mean, that obviously disrupts your energy to some degree. You've got Jason Ford at midfield who had that suspension hanging over his head and that was a cloud over the Tipperary camp coming into the game. You've got Bonner Maher away on army yeah. du- duty and Seamus Callanan with a broken thumb. So that's a lot of little percentages here and there. And it, it creates a negative energy, doesn't it? And you know it yourself, you play at a very, 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 very high level that you need to have your mind clear, you need to be 100% fit and anything that distracts can really put you off. Yeah, well, I mean, Park Maher, he's a supreme athlete and from people who've played in the panel, on the panel in there, he's incredibly fast. He's probably second fastest on the panel besides uh, Seamus Callan. and a lot of people will think rubbish because they look at this guy who's an absolute monster physically but he's incredibly fast. But you need your rest to be right. You know, a guy can live like a professional hurler when he's, you know, at home and, you know, he's, he's in college or, or what have you but when you're doing night shifts working with the guards and he's possibly out on the beat as well, you're not going to be quite as good as you are. And that's not to suggest he played poorly either, by the way. We're talking about those little percentages and the cumulative effect, cumulative effect across the team. And, but again, Cork were absolutely excellent. Their movement, Conor Lehan, he was involved in 37% of the scoring chances yeah. for Cork. That's incredible. This is a guy who, he feels like he's been around forever, but now at 24, yeah. on the freeze, leader. That was a big statement, wasn't it? Putting him on the freeze. Yeah, well now Patrick Horgan had 
you know, he'd been he'd stank out the joint a couple of days with the freeze. I remember particularly against Dublin, he was really poor in the league. But what did he score? Was a five from play, absolutely excellent. So he's not the only forward that all of a sudden, you know, that's that's like a new guy I'm seeing all of a sudden. And maybe it's just refreshed him that he doesn't have to focus on that. He doesn't have to spend an extra ten minutes practicing freeze before a game. He can practice, you know, kind of turning and shooting over his shoulder or what, whatever. You, whatever did he do you enough from play for you? Because one of the points raised in commentary, I did watch the game back, having been there. I, I actually, it was one of those games I couldn't wait to actually get back mm-hmm. home and watch it back. Did he do enough from open play? Because they were saying that in commentary, he was taken off the freeze, and one of the reasons was he was told we need we need more from you in open play. Yeah, I think he definitely did enough yeah. from play this time. Do you know what was another interesting feature? Is that I think it was fifty seven, fifty eight minutes gone, and Alan Cadigan was taken off. He'd scored three points from play. I think he looked a little bit gassed out. But if Cork had to lose that game in the final stages, Kieran Kingston probably would have been pilloried for it. In the same way that Eamon Fitzmaurice was for Paul Ganey last year when he brought on Mark O'Shea, I think it was. So it was a big, big call. But the beauty of it was for him, he brought on Luke O'Farrell, who got on a, a couple of balls. He was blocked down once, but he scored yeah. a great point and he made, made an impact. And there of were course, more positives than negatives for O'Farrell, especially when uh, you watch it back. 100%. And even more importantly, again, Michael Cahillan scores comes in and scores a goal against a tiring tip defence. So it was a big call and it really paid off for him. And that's interesting. We will get to puck outs, by the way, but that is interesting you said tiring because James Barry made a mistake, an individual error, which led directly to the goal, which you just you just generally don't see from James Barry. And you wonder why those kind of mistakes are happening because last year they didn't happen. Yeah, well, two men went for the one ball. Yeah. And a cute forward is going to get in behind and hope that it just breaks him and it's a handy goal all day. Now, I will say... This is not like kind of a Tipperary bias by saying this because Cork 100% were the better team and the right results you know, came through. But there was a long ball, you know, maybe 20 seconds beforehand, mm. a long ball upfield from Tipperary and Damien Cahillan clearly shoved Seamus Callanan in the back. If a free, which should have been given, was given... Good full back play, right on Damo. <laughs> it was, yeah. But that would have been a free to Tipperary for an equalising score and I don't think Callanan had missed from the freeze all day. Puckouts. That was a that was a big talking point. Shane Brophy of the Nina Guardian actually noticed it and, and said it to Michael Ryan after the game in the in the post match press huddle. Yeah, the the puckouts were a shocker because I, I just don't understand it. Tip almost lost the All Ireland semi final last year by going along with the puckouts constantly. And you know we'll get to Galway later on, but they are so physically huge. Why would you want to hit high balls with snow on them on top of uh, that on top of your own half forward line? Because if you're a wing back. It is beautiful to see these high hanging balls coming because you can watch where your man is and you can jump all over his back and catch at the same time. So Dan McCormick, Michael Breen and Norm McGrath had very little chance with that. It really is the bad way, a bad way to go. Like the second half, Darren Gleeson went long 16 times. Tip lost 11, 11 of them and six of them were caught cleanly by Cork. So surely at some stage you go, well... Did they just reckon physically were bigger than Cork? Well, maybe they so did. There then, wasn't movement there because Nash was hitting the ball into green areas. Now, the men were, like his men, like Lahan, were actually yeah. getting there in time to actually catch them cleanly. But he was hitting open yeah. space. And that's why the tip backs were worn out too because they were shuttle running over and back. And it's fair enough that things can go wrong with a strategy. But surely you should have a plan B. Did tip have a plan B from what you saw? No, because the only time that they did short puck outs, they did six in total in the whole game. Three of them were in the very last couple of minutes when... Gleeson would go short and he'd either get the ball back or he'd give it to someone in his full back line and they would just lump it anyway. Now that actually, over the course of the game, if you do that from the start, I'd give it a few to the wing backs, a few to the midfielders, 
it actually yeah. keeps the opposing team honest and they can't sit back in a way that Cork did. And eventually Tim Tip became so predictable, long ball, and then their backs just converged. And that's why, you know, I actually don't blame the Tip forward line because the half forward line scored 12 points from play. What more do you want from them if you're hitting, snow, hitting snowy balls on top of them? Yeah, now you're a Tip man, so you will revel in misery if there's one thing that people in tip love it's overreacting to results but they're right to overreact tip are done now that's it gone good luck absolutely finished no the big thing is right the puck outs need <laughs> to be sorted joke, and that, I don't I, actually of course. mean that just, yeah. Michael Ryan is, a, is the person who decides the puck out strategy the execution is down to Darren Gleeson so Darren Gleeson won an all-star in 2014 based on his puck out display against Cork in the All-Ireland semi-final where he was pinning it to lads out on the sideline to Shane McGrath coming from midfield and putting it into their paw that needs to come back that's number one thing Number two, perhaps Darren Gleeson is under pressure for his position now because two of the last three games he's let in stinkers. The Shane Kingston one was eminently savable, as was a low shot from Liam, Liam Ryan. Was it though? Because it's the bobbly ones that catch you as a keeper. Come on, let's be honest. If he had to make yeah. that save, would you be saying that was an amazing save? No, no. and Michael Dignan picked up on it on commentary as well. Yeah, and look, this isn't yeah. to have a pop at Darren Gleeson. He's had some excellent games for Tipperary, but that's not good enough so Darren Mooney might even get the nod now and it remains to be seen he's unproven so it's very hard to say how that'll go but um, you know people always keep talking about 2010 when Tip came out of the qualifiers and they were absolutely brilliant as if Liam Sheedy knew exactly what he was going to do And but like people don't realise he had to do a bit of experimenting to get it right he had tried Porik Maher at centre forward in a challenge match against Watford that just shows you how much he was willing to rip up the script and, yeah. and, and try new things and sometimes uh, uh, it's just about how one of your players performs and that year it was Bonner. He was the key. He was the difference. Yeah. and or maybe one of them. And maybe it'll be Bonner again. Yeah. Maybe once the hamstring comes right. It, it's hard to say just now, but getting Cahill Barrett back fit is huge because, and maybe Donna Maher too for the cornerback position because Michael Cahill's been under pressure. Um, John O'Keefe was under huge pressure in that game. Joe O'Dwyer came on and did okay. But Tip have an awful lot to get right. They need to sort out midfield as well because as much as you'll have Jason Ford coming back, I don't think he's a midfielder. I think he's better in a forward position, possibly coming on when the game opens up yeah. to pop over a few points as he did in the All-Ireland last year. That's a good point on Jason Ford. Look, we'll we'll stay with Hurling, but I want to move on to the Offaly Express's piece about Westmeath and Offaly who meet this weekend in the Leinster Hurling quarterfinal. Yeah, it's it was a piece by an anonymous writer named um, with the pen name The Sideline Mouthpiece so it was referring back to the 14 point win that Westmead had over Offaly last year in the championship and uh, very much along the lines of Offaly should not be putting up with this sort of thing that we're better than this and that you know we've got the hurling history and any idea that um, Westmead have of you know ideas above their station which would be Offaly you know to forget about it and I'll just read out a little excerpt in all honesty, no matter what excuses we get about resources or county board culture in Offaly, counties like these shouldn't be in our universe in hurling circles. It was embarrassing last year to lose to Westmead, and if they repeat their trick on us this term, we may as well give up the sport, and that's the crux of it. And he goes on to say, Westmead's three league wins came against London, Armagh and Antrim, which was perhaps their best performance. If we can't measure up against form like that, what are we playing at? Our own form wasn't the most inspiring, but we gave the likes of Wexford and Limerick a good rattle at least. There's someone living in a dreamland. There's someone living in fantasy <clears throat> land. I actually have think this article was designed to be talked about. And what really bothers me, whatever about your opinion, whatever your opinion is, 
put your goddamn name to it. Yeah, you, 100%. you carry absolutely no weight opinion wise if you don't put your name to it. You're no better than some troll on a, a forum or on a something. forum. Yeah, exactly. I, I, and I had this conversation with someone from Clare last year about the you know the the Clare Hurlers forum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said, you know what, I wouldn't be worried about the opinions on that thing if I was any of the Clare hurling team or management. Because these are guys going on anonymously and, and girls as well. Yeah, it's keyboard warrior stuff. Yeah, exactly. I, I do think it's fairly gutless. This is trolling. Yeah, I mean... This is exactly what this is. If it's you've a, got a strong opinion and you want it in on on this pa- a particular forum, this paper, I mean, put your name to it. Yeah. I mean, show a bit of guts. And even if, even if this person does put their name to it, be it a, a man or a woman, this article is utter bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Like it's it's completely wrong. Offaly are where they are. They deserve to be where they are. And it doesn't matter where Westmeath are. That's another thing. Why bring another county into it? You're in a poor situation. Even if you beat Westmeath this week, you're not going to win your semi-final. Mm, I think it's also just been dramatic for the sake of being yeah. dramatic. And you know what? It's worked. We're talking about it. I was tweeting yeah. about it. So fair enough. Now, coming to the actual game itself, we'll just briefly talk about it. I do think Offaly will probably turn it around this year. Uh, I expect Shane Dooley to do a bit of scoring. Oshin Kelly's got a goal in him, and they've got yeah. Joe Bergen and Shane Kinsella back recently. They they missed the league through injury, and they've played for their clubs recently. So you know, I, I've seen at Westmead this year. I wouldn't be overly blown away by them. I think they've got a decent spine. But did I think I, did, actually, do I do I remember you saying, did you play them in a challenge with Kula? Yeah, we played them in a challenge. I think it was probably January. So you kind of ha- okay. you, you kind of have to yeah, sometime around the start of the year. Yeah, you have to think in terms of what level were they at at that stage of the year. Now maybe they were targeting the league and maybe they were flying at that stage, yeah. but they had a poor start to the league. Yeah, they weren't. I wasn't blown away by them. We won the game quite easily, uh, despite having made quite a few changes from the Leinster final and taking players off during the game. And I have to say, there wasn't massive movement. They had a good spine of the team. They do have good players. Derek McNicholas looks like he's going to be out suspended. They were talking about appealing it. But I have to say, I'm not blown away by them physically. And I can't... Like, and, yeah. and Offaly wouldn't blow you away physically either, obviously. But based on what, what's happened yeah. in the intervening 12 months, Offaly probably have even a slight bit of confidence just from yeah. staying up in Division 1B. Maybe so. There, there's a lot happening in an underage structure for these two. And the fact that Westmead beat... Kilkenny last year at under 21 they gave Dublin a good enough game in the game afterwards Offaly obviously got to the final of the board gosh energy Leinster under 21 championship um, I watched Westmead against Meath recently in the round robin Westmead only won one game it was at home against Meath who played into their hands I mean tactically Meath were very naive so I would agree with you in all the points that you just made there that Westmead have some very good players but form wise they haven't been great this year and they lost to uh, Lee Shan Kerry in the Leinster round robin so far so I guess you'd be looking at Offaly for that game um, let's talk about football Sligo manager Niall Carew in flying form yeah I just thought it was a, an interesting story that um, you know he, he was forced to take a helicopter from his home in Kildare to avoid missing the quarterfinal with Mayo last week so he was at Coolera Church in Nace on the morning to attend his son Paddy's first Holy Communion and then flew directly to Castlebar now obviously it didn't work out great because they lost two 14 to 11 points I just thought it's interesting. The Celtic Tiger must be back if this sort of thing is happening. What do you think? <laughs> it's like a story of Mick O'Dwyer's time in charge of various counties that fellows were getting helicopters. Or remember the rumour that uh, Paddy O'Shea, God rest his soul, was flying up to Westmead via helicopter from Ventry mm. in Kerry. Um, but fair play to him. Look, he had to be two places at once, and the mm. only option was helicopter. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Uh, 
you know, that's nice. I like it. Yeah, uh, he, he was in charge of Waterford actually, Niall Carew, and I was very sorry the day he left. Yeah, which kind of brings us to us next to our next story. Yeah, and Niall is a good straight talker. I've enjoyed interviewing him a few times over the years. Good manager as well. Has good views on the structure of the championship as well. A, a lot to say on that. Yeah, well, that that's what we're coming to with Waterford and uh, Tom McGlinchey. He's uh, first of all, we'll, he he does talk about structure, but we'll come to that next. But what he's saying is that more or less they've had to make do with three weeks preparation for the championship, and they're against. Um, Cork this weekend, yeah, Saturday. Saturday night in Fortress Fraherfield. Yeah, 7pm. Did you know that Fraherfield has hosted more All-Irelands than any other venue aside from Crow Park? I did know that because you have bored me to tears with that fact a few times in the office. But uh, he said that we played our, our last league game on April 1st and he didn't see the panel again until May 10th, as in yeah. the full panel. So that means they've had a couple of weeks already he he's really saying that I've had no preparation time at all because they've been all his players 90% of his players he said are playing club hurling championship as well so what chance does that give him against Cork and most of the top footballers in the county are also the top hurlers in the county interestingly enough Donny Bernock who was a, a, a real talent underage hurling wise and football wise he is named in the team for his debut mm. and Jamie Barron then as well like he would have been playing with the Nair looks an excellent footballer as well he's not involved with them so. yeah. and well, the Stradley players by the way aren't involved in the Waterford team mm. and that's a big loss because that's one of the strongest football clubs in the county and they've done well in Munster in the past they haven't won it but they've, they've given some good teams real battles so there's, there's obviously issues going on there but uh, Tom McGlinchey has been talking about the, the structure and he's come up with a, a fairly good idea Yeah well I'll just quote him here he said with the Super 8s I suppose we'll, we'll see another divide so obviously he's not a fan of that I think it's still a good idea but there should probably be a top 8 a middle 8 and a bottom 8 and you know he, he mentioned that when teams win the ring record and Maher Cups and hurling that it still seems to mean an awful lot to them so I can see merit in that because one of the big kind of drawbacks is how elite uh, this this new Super 8 system looks and that teams will be finished you know they're, they're not going to be playing football any longer and the bigger counties are going to be playing competitive matches and training competitively for an extra two or three months more than these smaller counties so I think there's a little bit of merit to it There absolutely is the trouble is that if you kind of go off into Super 8 then Middle 8 then Lower 8 if there's no incentive for these counties to win it'll be like the Tommy Murphy Cup do you remember the Tommy Murphy Cup a lot of the times teams were playing it with very little interest and uh, you know they were missing players and guys went to America or guys just went off the panel and teams didn't respect it I'd yeah. worry that if there's no incentive to these suggested middle eight lower eight competitions then then teams just they wouldn't be interested in it it just it wouldn't be practical mm. well look I'm not, I don't want the Super 8 at all and I would rather a complete change altogether. I'd happily see the provinces played in a month and then go into four groups of eight or whatever way you want to work it out. I don't think this is going to work. I don't think Super 8's the way. It's just another mutation and I've said this a few times but if the Super 8's, which it is coming in, is happening then why not kind of uh, factor in the, yeah. the smaller uh, counties as well. It's, it's interesting. Cork will obviously probably win this game. I think everyone would uh, expect that. I did a one-on-one interview with um, Cork player Barry O'Driscoll recently and he was kind of saying, given the results they've had in the last few years, you know, going down to Division 2, losing to Tip last year, that they actually can't even look past the likes of Waterford anymore. You know, in the past we'd already be talking about the Munster final because they've got Tip and Waterford on their side. But, but he can't do that anymore. And he said that it's 
when you think about that drawn Munster final against Cork a couple of years ago in Killarney, you remember that one where Fionn Fitzgerald hit the late point? Yeah, it was on commentary, one of my favourite commentary days. Yeah, it was, it was actually... Actually, fa- my favourite commentary day. Yeah, and why is that? Because it was a Munster final, it was Killarney, it was really, really hot, and it had everything that you would want from a Munster final. It was everything... It lived up to the dream. It lived up to everything you'd been told about Munster final days in Killarney yeah and Barry said that he feels that had that point not got over you know the question of all the negativity of Cork in the meantime yeah. you know how poorly they've gone he said we mightn't be having this conversation at all and it is true because Cork have had a lot of good players yeah. now the panel has changed a little bit but you've still got the likes of Colm O'Neill on the inside like who else has, has forward like him especially in Division 2 I mean one or two yeah teams might might say they've got someone of that quality but he's he's an exceptional player they got um, Rob Heffernan in for a chat at the start of the year and, you know, he wanted to try and impress upon them ideas of being a professional and, you know, he'd take his naps during the day or what have you and this kind of stuff and I suppose that's not realistic for a GA player but he kind of, the point that he put across to them really was do you want to be the sort of guy who goes out and pulls a bird on a Saturday night or do you want to stay in, go to bed and raise your standards? And that really hit home with Barry and the way he said it yeah. to me really hit home to me that maybe this message is getting through so even though the league wasn't amazing for them this year, maybe this is the, you know, much like the hurlers, maybe all of a sudden we'll see a little kick from them. I have to say I don't see it, but it could happen. Right, you are listening to Off The Ball's GA podcast with Shane Stapleton and Oshin Langan. Still to come, leash hurling manager Eamon Kelly on their clash with Wexford this weekend. Many people are already looking ahead to Wexford and Kilkenny, like leash aren't even going to give Wexford a game. We'll ask him about that and how he feels Uh, or if he feels his team are being disrespected. We'll also go back into the GA's murky past and talk about a controversial incident. By the way, I don't know what that is. Shane is going to surprise me with it. Uh, First though, uh, let's go to football on Sunday. Derry hosts Tyrone in Celtic Park as they desperately try to get a win over their neighbours and enemies. But given Tyrone's dominance over Derry in recent years, is it a rivalry like it once was? Like in, in 1991... Eamon Burns crossing inside This is a great opportunity This is Damien Cassidy Trying to get the left foot Yes! What a comeback by Derry GA correspondent with the star Carlo Kane Welcome to Off the Ball's GA podcast Remember way back when when these two were actually rivals because is it fair to say they're not rivals anymore? Tyrone are very much a dominant force and uh, that is not a rivalry. Yeah, back in 1991, Derry had the upper hand big time. There was a, a National League final or the very end of the game, Tyrone had it in their grasp. Andy Coho hit on a 45 and then threw Uncle Donaghy's hand famously. He'll, uh, he wouldn't thank you for reminding him about that into the net and Derry basically stole a league title and then they went on and uh, edged them out again up at the park in the championship game. So the rival, rivalry got fairly ferocious there and probably the uh, the year of the rivalry was 1995 um, Clonus and Ulster semi-final and Toronto two fellas sent off in the uh, first half of that game and one of them was actually the current manager Damien Barton there's a uh, famous footage of Barton has Pascal Canavan by the throat and Canavan is throwing, trying to throw digs at him but he can't get near him with Barton as a whole of him. so it was better now it was the most better atmosphere of the game I've ever been at in my life and I'm going to games probably since uh, the late 80s or even a little bit earlier so I mean, at that stage, they were all Ireland contenders, Derry, and 
throne we're getting there and we get to the Ireland final in 1995 just to be exited by Dublin. So, I mean, whenever the stakes are as high, you'll see that even at the minute with Dublin and Kerry, there's a bit of needle comes into the rivalry, but unfortunately Derry have pretty much fallen off the radar in the last while, so um, things have turned around dramatically. The discussion points ahead of this game are not the actual game itself. It's about Tyrone and their system, whether or not they'll have enough up front for the bigger games later in the year. And also, how and why Derry have gone back so much. Now, their minors got to the Ulster final last year, so obviously there's something happening. Schlock Neal and a number of other clubs have done it in that sense. But county-wise, they haven't done it in a good few years now. Why is that? What's gone wrong? Gone wrong in Derry. I'm going to be here while in this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, when you uh, probably... Like, I think it's quite easy for people to point to the club game and go, you know, well, there's a strong club seen in Derry. Like, and sometimes that might be overplayed a small bit. Um, okay, you you bound Derry in an All-Ireland semi-final a few years ago and were beaten by St. Vincent's. Um, and he'll have got the two club finals. But a lot of club football, that Ulster club football, is played on heavy pitches in November and December. And like, football is a completely different game um, when you get to Croke Park even in March, let alone hard championship pitches in the summer and, say, August in Croke Park, like, like pace really comes into it at that stage. Um, fitness, things like that. Like Stan Neal showed this year in Croke Park that they could compete. Like the last time they were there against Cora Finn, they didn't really perform and didn't compete. They carried a few injuries. And um, funny, I would. Owen Mulligan mentioned it this week. He was talking about last year how Derry looked um, uh, completely unfit going into that game against Tyrone. And um, pace is something Derry have tended to struggle with in teams over the years, whereas Tyrone of any amount of pace gets the harder pitches, they tend to be in trouble. So. You look around that Derry team, I mean, Chrissy McCaig stands out as an athlete, like he's been to Sydney, um, he's been to Sydney Swans for a couple of years, but, you know, to me, possibly himself and Brendan Rogers look like the only two players that, say, like Jim Gavin in Dublin might have a look at, or Mayo might have a look at in Derry. Just the conditioning doesn't seem to be there, like, and it's hard to blame fellas for not buying into that. Um, they see success at club level, they're looking at Stat Neil, they're thinking, you know, maybe we can emulate them, where can we get a bit of success at here, and that's just been... Uh, seeping into the mentality probably since about 07 and 08. Probably 07 was the last time they were probably competitive at a, kind of a national level. They got to the quarter-final and um, the Bradleys had a couple of chances at the end. They could have beaten Dublin that day. So, um, But if you look at the quality they've lost and saying, like, Owen Bradley isn't playing, he's playing a bit of soccer. Um, Paddy Bradley's retired. Enda Muldoon's retired. Uh, Mark Lynch is probably coming quite close to the end. Kevin McGuckin's gone. Kevin McCloy's gone. Like that, that was a team of serious footballers at the time, whereas Maybe the quality, just that same quality isn't there at the minute in Derry football. Um, and again, the pace and the condition of the team probably wouldn't be at the level of Toronto. Yeah, Carol, as well, the fact that Thomas Mallon has left in the last week as well. I mean, there's no more crucial a position than goalkeeper because, you know, as we even saw in the monaghan Fermanagh game, one poor kick out and, like, you know, I mean, that sets the tone for the rest of the game. You, a goal, you can see the goal. Yeah. Um, do you, Can you see a bad beating here for um, for Derry? If you were weighing all things up, you'd say, you know, probably six, seven points to Tyrone. And, like, Celtic Park has been far from the fortress for Derry. Like, teams have gone there in championship in recent years and won, not just Tyrone last year. Um, you had uh, Down have done it two or three years ago as well. Derry did have a win over Down recently. But um, just uh, in, in terms of, like, the goalkeeper situation, like, I think uh, Ben McKinnis, a very young goalkeeper, and it's a lot. Of, it's going to be a lot of pressure on him. Like, he's under-21 goalkeeper, and... Um, like as you point out, she and one mistake and you're gone. Like Thomas Mallon knows that himself. Like last year against uh, Tipperary, he had one bad kick out. Derry were in control of the game early in the second half, and um, the ball ended up in the net. I think it was Kevin O'Halloran put it away. Um, 
and that cost Derry dearly in the end. They were still leading by two points going into injury time. Um, Top scored the last three points, and Connor Sweeney knocked them over a couple of them. So, um, if that goal hadn't gone early in the second half, Derry may well have cruised to that one. So, that goalkeeping position is absolutely crucial. And you can be pretty sure that Throne will say that's a young fella between the posts. You know, Throne don't a lot of the time pressurise kickouts against probably the big teams who tend to let them have the ball and sit back. But you'd be thinking Throne will think we could pressurise these boys. Uh, put them under pressure early and get a goal, and that's exactly a scenario Derry won't, won't want to happen. Last year, they had big three goals in played 25 minutes, and there was an absolutely massive gap in front of their full-back lane, which is pretty unforgivable at this level, to be honest. Um, Ronan O'Neill took them apart and had a couple of goals. Like, so Derry have to be tight from the start, like from the noises coming out of there. Like what tends to happen in Derry football is like in Brian McGaver's first year with Derry, it was open, free-flowing football. Derry flew through the league, then got to Croke Park and, and got absolutely destroyed by Dublin. So I was in the Ulster Championship, and then it was back to the typical sort of Ulster style of football where you come up against a very defensive counter-attacking system, and most Ulster teams figure the only way you can play that is to replicate it. So um, I would expect, after what happened there last year, that this um, they'll try and turn this into a dog of a game. I think Tony Scullion, Damien Barton will have the boys out of their skins for this one. Um, the only way Derry are going to win this is if they turn it into a dog of a game like they did against Rowan in 2006 and beat them when they were Ireland champions. Like it was a... It was a horrible match at Oma that day for anybody that was out. It's an unfortunate thing to say, but the way things are at the minute, to me, that's probably the only way they can win. If they turn this into like a almost a, certainly a needly affair, and it has to the state, they're probably nasty as well, you know. What is the sense of what Damien Barton is doing with the job and how he's going about it? Well, last year it was all like the Tipperary game was a perfect example of this. It was um, really gung ho football. Like they pressed in the second half, they pressed so high up the pitch, it was, it was incredible. Like I, I didn't see a team all season. Press, uh, press a kick out as much in one half. They just press kick out after kick out after kick out to put Evan Comerford under massive pressure. And Comerford was absolutely outstanding that day in his kick out. He was flicking balls 40 yards to the wing. And like, to me, he's, like, he's the nearest thing I've seen Stephen Cruxton. Yeah, he really went after him that day. Okay, you might say other teams might do a better job of going after your kick out possibly, but he was magnificent that day. What Barton seems to do, he seems to have let the boys play football. Like, it doesn't, you know. I can understand this. I mean, who, who wants to go into a county where it's all about negativity, all about defending, all about stopping the opposition? Um, like, Derry have been racking up massive tallies under Barton. Like, I think like, it's the reason of 121 that day against Tipperary or something, and a huge tally against Cavan. And, like, fellas are going to enjoy their football more whenever it's attacking football. And, I mean, being realistic, probably Derry aren't at this stage capable of winning much. Um, you know, that's just where they're at. So, I mean, yeah. maybe they're right to go and enjoy their football, but the problem comes when you get into Ulster Championship and get an awful tanking. Um, you try and do that against a Throne or a Donegal and you get absolutely out of the gate in 20 minutes and then the flag starts to play. So, difficult one for Barton. Can he go from just playing, you know, very attacking gung-ho football to play this, you know, system that Throne have been working on for two, three years? It may not be perfect, but I mean, uh, it's going to be probably better than the uh, dairy system. What about Tyrone? I heard Enda McKinley say on off the ball last night to Jur that we probably won't find out a whole pile about Tyrone and whether or not they've evolved in a forward sense uh, when we watch them in this game. Because th- that is the question, isn't it? Can they do more up front? Can they make more of an impact? Can they get scores? Yeah, I think it's the stat out there is three goals. Three goals in this year's Division 1 campaign. They had the two of them were um, down in Kerry when they took a, a wee bit of a tank in them. Tyrone never seemed to do particularly well down in Kerry and it's you don't just get beat, you tend to get beaten heavily. So um, you can imagine that was you know, probably a case of having to go for it that day. So, I mean, that goal tally is very low. Um, even uh, back in 2015 when they made the All-Ireland 
semi-final. It was the same thing. It was a similar system, and they weren't scoring goals, and it was a big question that summer that kept coming up. Can you score goals? Can you score goals? And, um, last year, they managed to hit Cavan for five goals in an Ulster semi-final replay, but again, just that lack of a killer touch when they get to Coke Park against the really good teams. Like, the big question I would say for Tron at the minute is like the counter-attacking system that they're playing looks very effective at times. Like it looked really effective that day against Kerry in 2015. But teams are ready for it now. Teams know what they're going to try and do to you. Like at that day, Tron mugged Kerry up the pitch two or three times and could have had two or three goals. But it seems to be just that, that lack of killer instinct finishing that you know you would have had with previous Tron teams, maybe Owen Mulligan, you know, uh, both Brian McGuigan and these type of boys. Um, just that like we were making chances, but. Mickey Hart seems kind of unsure of his inside line. Like last year, Owen O'Neill scored two goals against Derry, and he seems to have just fallen off the radar completely this last couple of months. Um, Conor McAllister, he's gone for the season. Darren McCurry, to me, those three are quite, obviously they're different players, but they're quite similar players. They're sort of small, powerful, uh, well, forwards with a bit of power, but whenever they maybe play against the bigger teams, like Tyrone maybe needs something a, a bit extra, and um, like they attempted to play Matty Donnelly at full forward for a couple of games, and that seemed to really throw them like it was a, an attempt to change the system and I would still expect though like we played a bit of long ball last year against Derry and O'Neill and I would expect Mickey Hart to come up with something like whether it's Donnelly at full forward I'm not mm. sure like he's come up with things like Kevin Hughes at full forward before back in the day and strange things people don't expect to catch teams unaware that's kind of Hart's forte a wee bit so I wouldn't be surprised to see him in there and then Sean Cavanagh um, like obviously he likes to be involved in the play out the field but I mean to me like the target man I know it's you're going back what, nine years to stage, but when Tyrone won all Ireland, he was absolutely key at full forward, and I'm not really sure why they didn't try that more often in the last seven or eight years. Okay, Carol O'Kane of The Start, thanks very much for joining us on Off The Ball's GA podcast. No bother, boys, thanks. I'm covering that game on Sunday for Off The Ball. Carol, though, wasn't exactly selling it, was he? It's a long drive, and I fear it's going to be a long drive to watch a beating. Yeah, as as a farmer would say, when he looks out and sees bad weather, there's nothing but misery here. It's not the only football match this weekend. We've got Clare against Limerick and uh, London playing Leitrim. Yeah, I, I'd actually kind of fancy Clare to go on a bit of a run again. Uh, I must say, last year when they played Kerry in the All-Ireland quarterfinal, I was really, really disappointed with the performance they gave because they just never looked like they were in it. They didn't look like they fully believed it. But I suppose they do have kind of like, that's the template now. That's kind of uh, the bar they've set for themselves now. Limerick have not been amazing. Now they've announced their team, you know, as we speak. Uh, Seamus O'Carroll, the Castle Knockman, he's in full forward line. Ger Collins Great in there Great display as well. by him against uh, Plunkett a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, and, and kind of that, that's what I started thinking when I saw the, the team name there. Who's the danger that Clare are going to have to worry about? And you'd imagine it's the likes of him. You know, with Clare, they've got still got Tuberty, Keelan Sexton. I think they've got more scores in them, so you'd imagine they'll get through. But it's not as if they've been blowing them away when they've met them in recent championships. It's actually been quite close, so there probably won't be a whole pile in it. Teams like Clare, last year they would have made the Super 8. The Super 8 comes in next year. Mm-hmm. Are they going to become like the Celtic of Gaelic football? For Celtic, reaching the group stage of the Champions League is essentially a victory in itself. That's their aim that's a successful season so for a team like Clare from this year and definitely next year it's kind of reaching the quarter final 
their aim and that's a successful season and then after that it's kind of bonus territory yeah you kind of have to hope for a good draw too but Clare are decent or sorry they're capable of beating most teams in Division 2 and pretty much everybody after that as well so they are a little bit kind of hoping that yeah let's not draw someone like Tyrone or Donegal in the qualifiers because if they do it's very hard to see them getting through but they do have they have raised the bar but uh, one thing Dean Ryan you know the cornerback for Clare he was saying to me recently that when Tip got when they broke the duopoly last year and uh, it was going to be Tip and Kerry as the seeded teams you're hoping then it'll be Cork and Kerry in one side and then everyone else can hope to get to um, a Munster final and therefore you're you know you're much yeah. further down the line in terms of the qualifiers as well but did uh, you tell him that no one else except the teams involved want that yeah no that that might be the case but I, would like you from mind? the neutrals point of view did you honestly get excited about Tip and Kerry in the Munster final last year. I did, actually, because I had seen Tip and they actually let themselves down in that Munster final. Had they, they played the potential, it would have been a great game. But it's hard to remember, well, actually, it's not hard to remember, Limerick in the early 2000s gave Kerry a few rattles. But aside mm. from that, any other non-Cork Kerry Munster final hasn't been that exciting. Yeah, it's the same in the Munster Hurling Championship. It's probably refreshing that Tipperary are knocked out. All of a sudden, anything can happen. But yeah, Realistically, we'd love to see Kerry get knocked out of the Munster yeah. Championship earlier and it'd be, it would infuse it with a bit of excitement because at the moment, even if Tip do beat Cork, you'd imagine it'll be a little bit like last year that you're going to get physically manhandled by Kerry, the ball ripped off him and yeah. a couple of goals going in. Actually, just as I think of it, in 2002, Tip drew with Cork in a Munster final, didn't they? Yeah, and it was the year that the a ball went into the net uh, but it hit the back stanchion and uh, it wasn't given as a goal for Tip either. So That was against Kerry, wasn't it? Yeah. So basically my point is actually completely wrong. There yeah, and also not exciting non-Cork Lim- Kerry Munster finals. Yeah, and Limerick have pushed Kerry close towards like 2008. Yeah, and yeah, I, mean, well. I mentioned that. They should have beaten Cork as well down in Porky Queen. Yeah, yeah. So actually, um, let's Most forget Most exciting I, championship of all time? Yeah, I'd yeah, say so. Best so. of the lot of yeah, them. Yeah. Uh, what about London against Leitrim? Leitrim without Emlyn Mulligan. Yeah, so I mean, that that is like... Jim McConnelly not being available for Dublin, albeit they do have sufficient replacements to come in. Maybe not of his quality, but enough to you know to keep rocking and rolling. Uh, London haven't named Owen Mulligan in their team. I think that would have been one of the more interesting factors of that. Um, you know, Lund- Leitrim have beaten London this year. They beat them by I think it was seven points in the in the Division Four clash. So you would have to imagine that Leitrim will just about come through, even if the Mulligan factor means that it shouldn't be by that much. This is Off The Ball's GA podcast with Shane and Oshin, brought to you by Newstalk's GA partner, Board Gosh Energy, giving customers exclusive access to the GA Hurling All-Ireland Senior Championship at bgerewards.ie. It is with hurling we stick with. Championship quarterfinals taking place this weekend in Leinster. Galway taking on Dublin. Westmeath meeting Offaly and Leash playing Wexford. Leash manager Eamon Kelly joins us now. Um, Eamon, People have been talking about the meeting of Wexford and Kilkenny like it's a foregone conclusion. Have you and your team found that disrespectful, given that you actually gave Wexford quite a good game when you met in the league? Ah, yeah, but listen, Wexford had nothing to pay for that day. We played them. They, 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 were, they were true and uh, should only go through the motions. Um, we'll just focus on our own game Sunday. Listen, what's being said, it, it's irrelevant to us, really. All we're thinking about is ourselves and or we can control Sunday to try to get our best performance and see where it takes us, you know. Yeah, I mean, Eamon, you probably didn't have a, as many good results as you'd wanted during the league. You beat um, Offaly early on and then Kerry in the relegation playoff. Do you feel that you, you needed more from the league coming into the championship? 
I suppose we were only finding our feet there really. It was our first time with this group. Uh, we've, we've gone with a lot of youth. We've 15 under 21 guys and only a, a handful of more over 23. So we have an exceptionally young squad and we're trying to find where we're trying to go with them. From a league campaign, I think we got what we wanted out of it. Um, like we would certainly, uh, and, and with the higher grade teams, like Limerick and Galway gave us a bit of trouncing and, and, and Wexford were through at the time, so we didn't ship a beaten there. So we'll probably get a better indication of how good the league was, was um, when we finished by, uh, at half three on, on Sunday. Yeah, and I, I suppose one of the, the big things, one of the features of this game is going to be that Davy Fitz has to be in the stand, and you seem to enjoy being up in the stand. So it's interesting to be no manager on the sideline. So from your point of view, why is that? Why do you go into the stands? Listen, I just get I, for me. I, I, I like to be able to see what's happening in front of me, and you know, you look and every team now probably has a different setup. It's actually oftentimes quite difficult to see when you're down the sideline. Maybe where if there's a sweeper gone in, it could be could be a few minutes before you're spotted. So for me, it just it helps there. Like I have, you know, Connor Deason and Ali Moore, and uh, they they kind of run the line, and I, I'm I'm 100 happy for them to do it. And I think I might have a bit more to offer by standing back and just taking a look on it from on high. You know. Yeah, I'd imagine, like, from a journalism point of view, when we're up in the press box, maybe Oshin feels the same. You do get a great sort of a, a picture of the overall sort of game, so completely understand where you're coming from there. Would you be in contact with the likes of Ali Moore and through a head, headset then if you want changes made? Oh, yeah, with Ali, Connor and Ali and myself and uh, our doctor, uh, Sharon McDonald, we'd all be, be uh, tuned into each other there as to what's happening and what changes need to be made. Yeah, and, and I believe that uh, the inspiration for this was, was Anthony Foley. Can you explain how that came about? Yeah, I suppose I've talked about this, but uh, Anthony was a good friend of mine, and I was often um, kind of leaning in for a bit of advice here and there, and uh, he let me in it's kind of, for a few times a monster there to kind of fly in the wall to see what's happening. So we often talk about different games and what you would and would, would and would not do different, and he was always saying to me, he could never understand it, that uh, you'd have GA managers that he would call it going mad in the line. He said, it's very difficult to see what's happening. He said, get up beside there from on high. And so it's something I had been thinking over my head, and... and um, I said, I was going to try it this year after Anthony passed away. I said, here and just try this thing. And for me, it's working, you know. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just horses, of course. Everyone is different. You know, some people might mm-hmm. say you're mad. But yeah. I, I'm just trying to figure out what's, what's best for me and what's best for Leash, you know. Is one of the things that works about it, the fact that you are removed from the line and things can get passionate down there and maybe your judgment can be clouded where when you're removed from it, you're kind of keeping a cooler head and maybe your decision making as a manager is actually better for it. Well, that's the whole. I, I, I've had we talked a lot of referees on North of Weary. I've had a lot of runs with them over the years. I can tell you that, and they don't, they don't, they wish I was back up in the stands a bit earlier. So for me, yeah, it does bother me, and I'm trying to look at what for me being away. I think I have more to offer because you can get absorbed, and I have been on the line um, in the last few years where you'd have you know, a lot of talk and coming from the opposition, and next thing you'll find your earshot is there rather than looking at what's happening in front of you. So listen, for me, it works. Um, uh, and the setup for me is fine. I know there's a lot of off that talked about it with Davy up and down. I don't think it makes any difference at all because if any, if you were working some on the week coming into championship, when you're trying to to change it the day of the game, I, I'm not so sure if that's the right preparation. You know. Yeah, so there will be a lot of threats in this Wexford team, and people will talk about Lee, uh, Lee Chin and uh, Connor McDonald. Do you have to make special plans now that you're stepping up against a, a very strong-looking championship team? Oh yeah, I said this even last year when uh, the first time I really came up close with Wexford was we went down there with Offaly and uh, there were, I said there was a hugely physical side there's probably two themselves in Galway probably and Kilkenny are probably up there as being the strongest physical sides in the country at the minute so 
all them players you mentioned about, and there's an awful lot more. They have a lot of marquee players. They have had a lot of success under 21. They now have the Davy Factor. They're on a high down there. They're the only team to have beaten Galway this year who are the league champions. They have an awful lot going for them. You know what I mean? So it's understandable why people are talking about themselves in Kilkenny. But listen, we're, we're not saying it's a win at all costs. We're going out here to, to try building our performances today. We understand the wins we've got. Um, mightn't be from the teams at the same level currently as where the likes of Wexford are. So it'll be a good test for us to see where it's going to go. Yeah, and I suppose not too many people know the quality of players you have. I know Cahar Healy's injured and he's an excellent player. Then you've got the likes of Paddy Purcell from centre field. And, and Ross King, he could have actually pursued a soccer career, I believe. So you've actually got some excellent athletes and players there. Yeah, thankfully he didn't pursue it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's captain for us and he's done an incredible job there. He's the freeze, he's a, he's a leader. We have a lot of good young fellas there like that. Cahar would be a huge loss to us on Sunday. You know, He's a, he's a really born leader and... Even the last day he, he wasn't he was on the line doing a, a mere come on or a mere ishka uh, mm-hmm. in, in Chile and he had a huge part in in, in trying to get the heads right at half time. Um so he's gonna be a huge loss to us. But listen, we have we have a what I have here is I'm involved in my fourth year now in the county management. These are an exceptionally honest and I enjoyable bunch. I look forward to going training every night. So it's 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 a, it's an honour to be involved with them and I just love to see them give a very good account of themselves. Yeah, so you kind of replaced uh, Seamus Cheddar Plunkett, an incredibly popular figure. Uh, and I suppose locally there might have been a few eyebrows raised when you went from Offaly directly to Leash. Did it take a while to sort of uh, bring people around or did you feel straight away I got full buy-in both publicly and within the panel? I suppose you could die wondering about that. Um, <laughs> Cheddar being there was a huge factor in me taking it. I understood what work Cheddar has done there. There was no more passionate uh, Leash hurling man than Cheddar and um, and Jer Cunningham was with him and I would have known Jer in the past so I knew how much of a professional setup they had and I asked him we even talking to Jer Cunningham before I took the job and he said that you know the way he described him was different Cheddar said that you know if you had a daughter um, you'd be happy for any of them to marry one of these guys that they were really honest fellows you know but, uh, and I have a daughter but I don't know can I answer that one but it's just I'm just saying for me that's, that was a huge factor in me taking it. The buy-in and all that is a different thing, you know. You have to yeah. earn respect. You can't come along and, and demand it. You know what I mean? So I, what I'm trying to do is just make sure that, that I'm, I'm a facilitator. I probably have the easiest job. Like Connor and Ali are doing the coaching. And we have two two selectors there from Leash. Like John Taylor, probably one of the best guys ever to hold for Leash. You know, and Cost, who hold for Leash. Like they, they're the guys that are doing an awful lot of work. And we have a massive backroom team there. So you know, I'm more like, like, like the conductor in the orchestra. But the rest of the lads are putting in the, the hard hours, you know defensively I guess that's where the issue was during the league is that something that you've worked on and if so how because I guess it's easy just to pile players back but then you're sacrificing getting scores up front so how do you deal with it what's the plan oh god I wish I had the answer for that one you know in a couple of words it's um yeah we have been putting up good scores and conceding we've been conceding soft goals and particularly like we've had patches in our games even against Meath with up a big score but we never turned up for the first 15 or 20 minutes in that game and if you do that against the likes of Wexford they'll have you gone out of sight you know so we're aware that our, our defensive um, frailties have let us down from time to time um, we've made a few changes we have I think it, we're, we're hoping that you know we don't want setting up with sweepers and I don't that system myself but you know, we might get midfielder second more defensive role um, like so, listen. It, it, it's it certainly is a concern for us, but uh, since we're not dwelling too hard, we reckon we're gonna. So I mean, we, we can work, keep going up front with the scores we're getting, and and just maybe try not concede soft goals and, and see where it goes. 
I guess Matthew Whelan is back and fit and that is a huge boost. I know he was missing for some of those league games. Yeah, it's great to have Matthew back. Actually, Matthew was one of the few players I have opened before when I was at New Weather, the Fitzgibbon Cup. He was there as a, an 18-year-old uh, 10 years ago. So I'm delighted to have Matthew back. Like, he never missed the training session. He was out with a broken hand. He was out running around the field. So I, and that consequence of that, he came back very, very fit. And he, his eye is in. And listen, he's, he's, he's a guy with a wealth of experience. And we've got a young fellas around him there. Like we'd have 321s in that back line with him. So, you know, it's great to have someone experienced like him back. As it, Eamon, you're a, you're a proud Tipperary man, and uh, I suppose a lot of Tipper in the qualifiers now, and I suppose at some stage everyone else will be expecting Leash to go in there, and obviously you'll be trying to make sure that doesn't happen. But um, what did you make of Tipperary's performance against Cork, and where did you think it went wrong? I, I would suggest that the puckouts was a big thing, but there was a lot of percentages missing all over the field. It just didn't seem the same tip as 2016. Yeah, it's early days, I suppose. Listen, the Royal has been tipping, you're disappointed with the results. You have to give a lot of credit to Cork, the way they played the game. like. They didn't hit many high balls on top of our half-back line. You know, like the Mahars are probably exceptional in the air. They kept it low and they turned them. Um, I don't know, listen, I, 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 this happened in 2010. You, you know better than me, Shane. The tip probably gets very anxious when they don't win. Um, mm-hmm. I think you need to back this team, back this backroom team and, and, and Mick Ryan. Like, they have a wealth of experience there. Uh, I, I still think they'll have a big say in uh, on the first Sunday of September. I wouldn't... Uh, Think that those panic stations. It's, dif- it's disappointing that they, I thought it would have come back harder after after the being turned over against Galway. Maybe they might have overtrained. Might be a small thing, to, but I think there's. I would have huge faith in Mick Ryan and his team there, and and all them players because I, I see them holding club matches here. Uh, so I, I think they'll come back stronger. And Eamon, just before we let you go, I was about to ask you before uh, Shane cut across me with some typical Borisili ignorance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, the guys you have in, in your team, like the likes of Ross King, I saw an interview with him and he came out with some great quotes and Shane has mentioned that he, he's pretty decent at soccer as well. Paul Keegan, the Shane Keegan, I beg your pardon, the manager of Galway, who's from Leash, has, has said that as well. Geez, I'd love to have him uh, playing soccer. But um, these guys seem to be good characters as well. And there's a saying in sports psychology, you can't quantify presence. You don't have robots in that squad, do you? They, they seem to have a bit of crack. And I guess that genuinely is important. Yeah, like I said a while ago, I enjoy going up training there. Like, we have a fella Podge Lawler with us there. I'm not joking, this fella is cracked. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he, he keeps the whole place entertained. He'll come out with anything. We like, have a WhatsApp group there, and oftentimes he gets mixed up with different WhatsApp groups and tell you it's not pretty what goes up with But I'd say that, that, that if the environment isn't right, you can't get the best out of yourself. So, like, I've, I've had good and bad times in, in GA over the years. My own club at home, I always thought we had a great spirit. And we have, it, this is exactly what we have in Leash at the minute. We all enjoy ourselves. Uh, these guys, they had, they've been working as hard as any other intercounty team. They've put away a few beatings in the last couple of years. They've got a few wins, and you know what I mean? So I, I'm delighted for their sake that they're starting to get some bit of reward. But we were, we were 100% aware the stakes are gone way higher than where we have been for the last month or six weeks. So I just hope and I, I pray that we... We do justification to ourselves with a performance on Sunday. We can say we're going down here, win at all costs. We're going to strike to see can we give our best performance for, for 70 plus minutes. Eamon, really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on Off the Balls GAA podcast. Lovely. Thanks very much. And we will have coverage of Leash against Wexford on Off the Ball this Sunday. Dahi Regan, by the way, will be in Tullamore for Galway against Dublin. Yeah, it's hard not to, or it's hard to imagine anything other than a heavy Galway win here. I think the Dublin players that are there, they're going to compete very, very strongly. I think they've got an excellent back line, and we'll just kind of go through it there. You probably have the likes of Keno Callahan, Owen O'Donnell, 
um, Oshin Goff, Shane Barrett, Liam Rush and Chris Crummy. That's as good a backline as you'll yeah. see in the country. Now, you might poke a hole in one or two of those guys, but they've been exceptional. Like that half backline, you're not going to want to poke too many, hit too many puckouts down long on top of that. And of course, that is what plan A for Galway. So I would imagine they will perform very well. I think from midfield on, Dublin are in a lot of trouble. Darrell O'Connell's been carrying a hamstring injury. I don't think he'll feature. We might see a couple of debutants. I think we'll see a couple of uh, young players because uh, Jerry himself, he reckons that half of the panel are 21 and younger. So in the forward line, you're looking at David Tracy is an established player there, maybe Eamon Trollier Dillon and Ryan O'Dwyer. So then you've got a lot of young players there. And when you're looking to your bench in the second half, you're going to be looking at youth as well. Yeah. So you can imagine those puckouts, Dublin against Clare and Ennis during the league. They started hitting puckouts in the second half. The ball was coming back just as quick because they don't have big men to win those puckouts. And we all know what the Galway half back line is like. So I think Dublin are in serious trouble here. And if Galway's attitude is right, they'll win a point a man and more. A lot of the talk about Dublin has been who isn't in the squad yeah. and who isn't playing. And maybe there has been a negativity around them <clears throat> and there's a negative analysis of them going into the championship. That is something I asked Jer Cunningham, the Dublin manager, about when we met earlier in the week at the Gosh Energy Hurling Partnership launch. And uh, this is what he had to say. I think every team has some situation has negative thought, whether it be it, be it whether it's the truth or whether it has been rumour. You know, a situation I think, but we've only focused on the guys that we have inside in the group. We've 35 lads inside there who, who, who are, you know, extremely committed and want to play hurling for Dublin and have to make the sacrifices that go with it. We have, you know, it's, it's quite demanding. We have, I think I was counting up, we have 18 guys who are 21 years or younger. You know what I mean? And it's a very, you know, it's, it's, quite, a, it's quite a challenge in what's going on in their life, you know, with, with work and, and also with college this time of the year. You know, it's huge commitment and huge sacrifices we have to be made. And uh, so I think we very much focused on, you know, the group that we have and we've been delighted with their attitude and their commitment. And, you know, they've, uh, they've responded in kind. And, uh, you know, we're, 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 the, the, the group inside there are very much, um, you know, wanting to perform and wanting to win for Dublin. And one of the players who left Mick Carton was very public in his criticism. He says there was a, there was a toxic atmosphere. I assume that's something that you would deny and rebuke. Oh, totally. That's you know, that's 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 a long time ago. You know, Michael gave his views on it in that situation, but as he was entitled to do. But I think uh, you know, I think the guys that you ask any of the players that are inside there, you know, inside there now, and, and you know, we've we've 35, 35 guys there who want to be there, who uh, want to play for Dublin, enjoy coming training, enjoy playing, enjoy playing hurling, like you know, because it's a it's a phenomenal commitment. It is you know, to, you know, it's. It's, it's 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 a lifestyle, you know, the, the amount of time it takes up, not just training, but the off the field commitment as well, getting getting yourself right off the field as well is huge. But you know, they do it because they want to do it and they do it because it's a passion and they do it because they love it. And it's our job to try to create that environment and that culture for them to flourish. Yeah. Do your young lads take a bit of heart from what Cork did last week? A lot of young guys given debuts, given a chance, and they rose to the occasion. Your squad profile wise is actually quite similar to that Cork squad. Yeah, yeah, I suppose you could certainly look at it and, and make similarities uh, from that point of view. Um, you know, we probably have, you know, we probably have to fast track some of those young guys that have come through, maybe ahead of schedule a bit. Um, but these guys have come through the system in Dublin, through development squads, through through the minor team, and through under twenty one teams with a degree of success. And, you know, they have Leinster medals behind them, and you know, they're they're you know they've grown up like in knowing how to how to win games like that. And I suppose it certainly would be refreshing if I was in their shoes to see how Cork performed last week. But if, you know, but. You know, guys, young guys, they had five debutants coming on and, and, you know, the performance that they gave. So hopefully that they'll take heart from that and, uh, and to bring that to Tullamore someday. 
Dublin manager Ger Cunningham speaking to Off the Balls GA podcast earlier this week at the launch of Board Gosh Energy's partnership of the GAA Hurling Senior Championship. Shane Ger saying there he's not worried about who isn't in the panel. He is mainly concerned with those who are and also he doesn't mind the negative comment because it, it doesn't affect them. Yeah, well, you've gone to plenty of Dublin club hurling matches this year because I've seen you there and you're involved with the Kilmacud Croaks. So you, you've kind of heard the vibes around as well and they're not good. People are more or less fed up and they've kind of, they're almost kind of wondering, well, when is he just going to be gone? Because we'll get the player, the best players back then or some of the better players back then. I don't want to be harsh on the man, but you're two and a half coming into three years into the job and what's happened? Like the, the panel has been pulled apart. Yeah, but when he came in, there was major change needed. Now, there are certain things was we there? do. No, there was. There absolutely Why? was. Because the, the, Some the panel's players, age profile, trend. the panel's age profile, first of all, there needed to be changed. Second of all, we're aware of what we see on the pitch. We know what's happening there. What we don't know about is what's happening off the pitch. But that happens. How the relationships are. And what kind of attitude gives, guys are giving. And we just, we just don't know that. Maybe change was required. And the thing is, is in GA and in sport generally, we only judge things on results. And sometimes that's not the only thing to judge things on. Sometimes you do have to develop. Sometimes you do need to give it time. Sometimes as a fan, you do need patience. And when guys are cut, maybe they're irritated by it. Maybe they come out and say they were irritated. McCartan said some stuff on off the ball. That's his view. I've no doubt that Mick is a genuine guy. I know he's a good hurling man. I know if I was a Dublin fan, I'd like to still have him in the squad. But he's not there. He was very controversial. But ultimately, he's a guy who's not playing for Dublin and maybe he's upset by that. And there's a lot of negativity around the panel. But I'm saying sometimes you have to step back and say, OK, why has he done what he has done? Why is he taking this approach? What I was impressed with with Dublin this year is how some of the younger guys played. And last year, OK, they collapsed against Kilkenny. They're not the first team to do that. In the championship against Cork... If they win that game in Porky Cueve, maybe it's not such a bad season. Maybe if there isn't a poor sending off of Chris Crummy, Dublin win that game and things are different. Yeah, and you're the one who just mentioned our results aren't the be-all and end-all. So if they had to win that game, that doesn't mean everything is hunky-dory. I'd be the first to say that the players that are there are still hurling and ready to die with their boots on. There's no question about that. Um, I do think that there's always a rate of attrition with the panel. So some players would have been gone by now anyway. And there's no problem with that either. But the problem is, you want your manager to put the best team on the field. And Dublin is a dual county, so you can already forget about the likes of Dermot Dermot Connolly, Cormac Costello, Eric Lowndes, all the players we've talked about many times before. But you want your best players on the field. Is that the case? Now, I know you're going to probably have to play a devil's advocate and, and show a bit of balance here, but just for the sake of argument, I'll make give you a 15 that... Again, you might be yeah. able to poke a few holes into some of it, but this is a 15, and and more actually, if you want it, of players that aren't available, that aren't on the panel. Players that aren't playing for Dublin for various reasons. For various reasons. Some have could, left, yeah. some work reasons, some travelling, some falling out with the manager, whatever it is. So, And some guys, maybe they're, maybe they're past their best, and it's fair enough. But just to give you a little flavour, so Alan Nolan, Paul Schutte, Peter Kelly, Shane Durkin, Michael Carton, Simon Lambert, Joey Boland, midfield maybe of Johnny McCaffrey, Dara Plunkett, half forward line, Sutcliffe, Colm Cronin, Alan McCrabb, full forward line, 
Keeney, Mark Shute, Paul Ryan. And then that's not even including Chris Bennett, Sean Tracy, Sean McGrath, Ushin O'Rourke, Glenn Whelan, Niall Corkin. And again, for different reasons, you might say that guy wouldn't start this Sunday anyway. Corkin and retired and we could argue that Peter Kelly is injured, but I do see the point you're making. Yeah, but what I'm saying, like, would that team even beat uh, the team that's going to go out and play against Galway on Sunday? I would say possibly not. But the forward line that isn't there has more in its locker than the forward line that is. But they're not there. Yeah, and but this is my point. that a ma- It's up to a manager to make sure he puts the best team possible out on the field. Fair enough, there are a variety of reasons that guys aren't there, so maybe not everyone will be there anyway. But it's not good enough to be putting out a Dublin team that doesn't have anywhere near its best 15. But all the blame on this is going to the manager, and sometimes there are things out of his control. Like Alan McCrabb, even under Anthony Daly, took time out. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying you can poke holes in this Danny, team Danny all you Sutcliffe want. Danny went to New York... Maybe he was going to do that anyway. I mean, Johnny Maybe. Glynn went to New York. No one said a word. Jamie Clark left Armagh. No one said a word. No one blamed the manager. Other players have gone over the years and some of them have come back. Jack McCaffrey. Did anyone blame Jim Gavin for that? No. I look at the Dublin Hurling Championship and I see the likes of Johnny McCaffrey. Last year in the county semi-final, he had an exceptional game and, every, and I've watched him yeah, every year over I the years. Agree, yeah. he should, I think he should still be in there. And I know he gets criticised sometimes when he does play for Dublin, but he's certainly good of a panel place. And a lot of these players that are in with Dublin now probably will be senior uh, seasoned guys in a few years' time and be exceptional and probably have passed these guys out. Mm. You know, just that's the way it is. But there are enough players there there is so much smoke there that there is a fire as well. And I would imagine this will be Gerald Cunningham's last year. I've nothing against the man. But you've you got to say, as someone who's got a real interest in Dublin hurling, which I do because I play for Kula, yep. I really want to see the best Dublin team out possible. And I can't see that happening anytime soon with this manager. But my point is, is he has a project. And he is trying to get guys up to inter-county level and you know a lot of the guys should who a project the panel, not include uh, but, your best players no it should but sometimes your best players maybe are past it maybe there's things in training that, that we don't see again there's a lot of stuff that we don't know from the internal uh, from the inside of the panel right so we don't know a lot of that I, I get what you're saying I get what people are saying that there's players out there who aren't involved but sometimes you don't exactly know the reasons and as a manager as well you have to develop a squad now I think he is showing bravery by doing that by by giving the likes of Donald Burke a debut against Tipperary. And he said it in the part of the interview we didn't get to hear, which is available, by the way, on newstalk.com forward slash sport, that maybe they regret doing what they did against Tipperary earlier in the year and giving all the young guys uh, their debuts. But those young guys actually showed, as the league progressed, that they are well capable of playing at senior level. Certainly in the league, I know the championship will be another test. And keep in mind as well, a lot of good teams have been relegated. Like Galway, Clare, Waterford, all Division One B winners all went. To, sorry, all Division One B teams all went on to win the league. Obviously, Galway didn't win the One B segment of it. Wexford did. So I think there's a lot of talent coming through in Dublin, given that they've had good under twenty one and good minor teams in the last couple of years. Leinster minor champions, Leinster under twenty one champions. So there's talent there, and I think he is giving that talent a chance. And there's nothing wrong with that because you need to build. You need to build a squad, and that's what he is doing. Well, he's building up a new squad after dismantling one and dismantling one that still has parts that should still be there. You know, the, the, you think of 2013, the team that's still there, I, th- I think the, the players that are still starting from 2013 are Rush, uh, David Tracy and Oshin Goff. That's it. So, 
you know, is 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 that what we're is that where it should be? No, it should. It's not where it should be. Will we find and out look, on Sunday? Again, is that the judge? Is that the ultimate? Like, if they beat Galway, am I right and are you wrong? Is it as simple as that, or like, is there somewhere in between with this? In GAA, I don't people th- tend to see the world in black and white, and it's not black and white. It's grey. We're both kind of right, and I imagine we're both kind of wrong. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying I'm not saying like that all those players will be there anyway. You know, in the in the two and a half years he's been there, some players would have fallen off the map anyway. But it's just all about getting your best players or as many as possible on the field at the one time. Because, like, in the second half, yeah. Dublin have tended to fade in most games. Is that because of their youth profile? That's because, yeah. yeah, they don't have players that are used to playing 70 minutes at this level of intensity and power. Yeah. But you get it, them used to it in the league, like Cork did with their young guys. they're still 19 and years of age. And there's, yeah, but, but, like, look at the Cork team from last week. Look at their age profile. Very similar to Dublin. Yeah, uh, but... Yeah. But they do have Alan Cadigan, who's played about yeah. four seasons. Patrick Horgan, who's played about but, ten. But you have that experience Carnaby in Dublin as well. You have eight. Rush, you have Goff. What's that? Yeah, but still, like if you go through most of that Cork team, most of them have been there for a few years. Yeah. And there are players who, like, they'll have been there a year and a half and it feels like they're around forever. Dan McCormick only made his championship debut a year ago and already he feels like he's around forever. But he's about 24. Yeah. The problem here is you've, when you've got 18 players on the panel who are 21 and younger, I mean... If 50 minutes gone in the game, 55 minutes gone in the game, they're going to start to be in trouble physically. Now, the one plus side is they've got David Tracy back for the freeze because towards the latter end of the league, or sorry, in a couple of games in the league, the freeze went awry for them. Oh, yeah. Now, these are big time, yeah. Like, I must, I must say that all the players that Dublin have there are very good players and they could progress to being excellent championship players. But it's too much to ask of them too soon when you've got good players who are in their prime at the moment that just aren't are no longer there for whatever reason. Galway Dublin is at four o'clock in O'Connor Park in Tullamore on Sunday and we'll have coverage and off the ball with Dahi Regan who will be in Tullamore for us. Off the ball's GA podcast with Shane and Oshin Shane, it is time to go back in time to a controversial GAA incident. Yeah, so we've had a, f- a couple from the guts of a century ago. So yeah. if we're going to go through 25 moments of controversy, eventually we're going to come to a few that we've heard of before. So we're going to take a little trip back to 1989 yeah. and the Tony Geedy affair. Oh, this again. This is like bringing up Saipan. Yeah, well, the reason is Galway are playing this weekend and it looks like it's their Liam McCarthy to lose. Is that fair enough? No. No? No, not in any way, shape or form. What for you? Well, yeah, maybe even tip, but they've done nothing to suggest that it's theirs. No, so no. absolutely beaten tip from pillar to post didn't uh, didn't do anything, you know. <sighs> Only league. Yeah, league is league. Look, right. they, sorry, they are a contender, but their history suggests let's not get carried away. Yeah, they just need to actually get over the psychological barrier of Kilkenny, and then this could actually be their year. But we'll go with the Tony Keady affair. So obviously it dominated the season because you know he was hurler the year from 1988 and he got banned after illegally playing a match for the Leash team in the USA under the name Bernard Keady. Right? <laughs> Dude! So, I know. Yeah, go to more effort with your imagination. Yeah. yeah. So um, Pete Finnerty, he was quoted before saying, suddenly there was a report into it, um, you know, because everyone was doing it, by the way. Yeah. So suddenly there was a report into it, uh, sent into the Tipperary Hurling Board in New York, and that seemed to spark it all off, and the GA felt they had to do something about it. Who squealed? I don't know who squealed, but um, they sang. 
didn't they? Did we but, ever find out who squealed? Uh, I didn't anyway. I imagine that person will never go on the holidays to go, eh? No. Um, so, you know, it was nothing unusual back then and it kind of stinks and it's, it still kind of stinks badly now. Like, it, it's funny too, Jerry McInerney, you know, your man with the, the long hair. What's that? The white boots, the long hair, the yeah. moustache. His son will be playing on Sunday, Garoud. Garoud, yeah. He's savage as well, actually. He, he is. Yeah. He's excellent halfback. And uh, he like he used to return home just to play two championship matches every summer for Galway in August and September, assuming they got to the final. Like He was living out there as well. So, But anyway, uh, Keedy and Cyril Farrell pursued every sort of avenue to get him reinstated. They threatened to boycott the All-Ireland semi-final against Tipperary. And they had an appeal just to get him reinstated and it was beaten 2018 at the Central Council so Tipperary actually voted for him wow voted to have him reinstated guess who four of the counties were that voted against him do you want me to actually guess give it a quick guess give a guess for one and then when you're wrong I'll Cork no oh. so it was actually okay yeah. some some of their neighbouring counties and, and close by wow Mayo, Leitrim Roscommon and Sligo voted against him which is absolutely incredible. They're great hurling rivals. Yeah. And and uh, I think one of the things as well is that, actually, Finnerty said about it at the time, the disappointing one was that some of the counties in Connacht who should have been totally pro-Galway and who wouldn't really understand the hurling situation as well as some other counties voted against us. So, like, and the other thing is that... Well, that was just pure bitterness, though, was it? Yeah. Pure yeah. anti-Galway bitterness. Yeah, I have a, a Galway friend, and he just talks about the bitterness that's specifically in Galway, yeah. which might explain why, you know, the way Gerlach Nan often talks about the warring factions yeah. in, in Galway hurling. But anyway... Yeah. Well, Galway is like three counties in one, though. Like, mm. you've got the west, you've got the east, which is essentially the midlands, and it's the hurling belt, and, and then you've got the north. Mm. And they're all quite different to each other. You, you're, you're aware my other half is from Galway, so I... I spend a lot of time trying to analyse Galway. Yeah, it's a strange yeah. place. And uh, my, a beautiful place, by the way. But My hurling manager is Matty Ken- yes. Kenny. Uh, Greg Kennedy, the former player, he was involved as well. And um, I'm good friends with Joe Connolly's son, Barry Connolly, who played with Kula before as well. Joe's and one of my favourite GA all, people. Huh? Joe's one of my favourite yeah. GA people. And they're what all just con- very Galway. You know, they've yeah. just got that little streak of madness in there somewhere along the line. Yeah. Uh, I hope they're not listening. But uh, actually, that same summer, Paul Delaney, who played for Tip in um, in the semi final, he was actually playing out in the USA as well, and he didn't get caught. So Tip, I suppose, that's part of the reason they didn't vote against Keedy. Also, you don't want to be seen to not vote for him because that just doesn't augur well. And Delaney didn't start the final then against Antrim. So uh, yeah, the irony is that the man who replaced Keedy, Sean Tracy, had a great game actually, and ended up winning an All Star uh, for that performance against Tipperary. And I don't know if you saw, Keedy did a Laker Gale yes. a couple of years ago. And when he was asked what, he, what he'd like uh, written on his tombstone, it was something to the tune of, you know, Tony Keedy uh, should have played in 89. <laughs> great okay. stuff. Uh, what an icon. And that team created a lot of legends, that Galway team, and even the one that came before it, uh, that won the first All-Ireland in 1980. Uh, Shane, that's it for this week. Say goodbye. Thank you very much. And how can we catch up with you? Uh, on at Shane Saint at Twitter send all abuse there and you can get me on at Oshin Langan GA on News Talk brought to you by Gosh Energy official electricity partner to the GA follow hashtag hurling to the core for all the senior championship action that's it for the podcast for this week uh, but join us at one o'clock on Saturday for Off the Ball we'll uh, keep you in touch with everything that's going on although the games are Saturday evening the ones that are going on on Saturday on Sunday we're at Tullamore we're at Celtic Park and we're all around covering GA so stick with us on Off the Ball until next week take care